everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen by Elect Me 25. We are thrilled to join you on WWE and Jeff will get the volume down there in a second on the background. Uh, it's always fun to see your face when we have technical glitches. When, when, there, when there's music playing over you? I wish that our drivers in the car could see your face. It just make it so much more fun. Is that, is that why you made us go to video? Yes. Yeah. Just, just so people can see my facial expressions, right? Everybody to see the full experience of doing a show with Jeff. Do, do you want me from like from now on to like make emoji faces too? You can do whatever. But you like, want. like, so, you're, so, you're like, cool. here. Obviously, people can't see us on the rating, but, but, but there is, there's someone that once taught me the emoji for a hug is to sit there and do this. All right, I've had enough of. Are me. you done? Let's okay. go back to talk radio. Jeff, there you go. How's your week going? Better than Zach Wheeler's? Well, I was going to say that, but yeah, much better than Zach Wheeler's because uh, somehow the Phillies are so. I was going to say snake bitten, but apparently it's fly bitten. So I don't know if you want to describe it because it's just too painful for me to describe. All right. So um, Zach Wheeler apparently uh, had a uh, fight with a zipper on his pants and lost. It wasn't what I was going to say. It wasn't much of a fight. And uh, so apparently he will miss his next start for the Phillies. It actually doesn't sound that good, Jeff. It sounds like he may potentially have to have the nail removed. That sounds like more than one. But if he has the nail removed, is that going to impact his pitching? That's the question. I don't do, know. We know I which, don't... do we know which nail it is? Because it, like if you throw, you know, there's certain pitches that you do want to get your It nail. is on his pitching hand, I believe. Right. Not, yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. And I will say as a general rule, you do not want to get anything caught in your zipper. Okay? That's just a general Public service announcement. I was just going to say you you have just done your your civic duty by explaining something to if anybody in the audience didn't already know that. I want apparently Zach Wheeler doesn't listen to the show. I want everybody in the Delaware Valley to be safe. Okay, Mm -hmm. nothing if not that. So we'll get back to the Phillies in a second, but this is the first (laughs) time in a season that I get to start off a show with Jeff. Did you watch Thursday Night Football? And the answer is no, I did not sleep. Yeah. Okay. No, I did not fall asleep. Did I just watch the highlights. Did I you? did watch the highlights. Well, I watched the highlights and you I heard do a radio show, right? Like it would be helpful to watch the game to talk about it. Just check it. Okay. How much time are we going to be spending on the Houston Texans versus the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, other than the fact that before the game, the fans who came to the stadium decided to boo the players during a moment of unity. Yes. Not while the flag, not the national anthem. Yes, during a moment. So exactly who is it that has a problem with unity? I don't know. Uh, that's uh, disappointing, yet I guess not surprising. I, I kind of forgot that they were going to have fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. So how, do we know how many teams in the league? I assume the Cowboys, uh, the Jaguars. Of course it's the Cowboys. Jaguars will probably have fans. I mean, I know they've been doing Ooh, Hold on, time out. Do the Jaguars well, they have, have fans? fans? They may be allowed. In the okay. state. I mean, they could allow fans for the Miami Marlins, too. They don't have any to fill the stadium. I saw somebody say that the Eagles will lose their home field advantage in Washington on Sunday because the Eagles fans won't be able to go down there. <laughs> um, but so were you what was your thought? This is the first time we've really seen fans in the stands at an American stadium event, right. really. Um, your thoughts on not having fake sound behind a game? Was the sound that loud? I mean, it, it's hard to create some noise at some point. Um, well, and, yeah, they made enough noise to boo. Well, no, I thought that at that for the 
the start, it was one thing, but I thought during the game when Kansas City was, you know, beating the snot out of Houston at times, mm -hmm. um, I thought that the fans did make an impact. And it's funny because I had said to somebody, you know, they're they're going to become Super Bowl champions, raise their banner. Nobody's going to be there to see it. And then I forgot, oh, there are like 22% of fans allowed in the stadium. So Well, there was somebody who could not see it. Who could not see it? Andy Reid. Why not? Because Andy Reid had a face shield. And I don't know if you saw what happened with the face shield, but he it fogged up and he couldn't see anything. Somebody needs to uh, to develop a, like a windshield wiper system to clean. How it. hard is this to develop an anti-fog shield? I don't know. It Doug can't Peter be that hard. Apparently has seen that, has tested out the fog shield and is going to go with a mask on Sunday. Who? Uh, Doug Peterson will. Oh, John Harbaugh has said that he's not going to wear it after seeing Andy Reid. He's not going to wear the face. Well, the weather was really tough for that all. Um, the, okay, so we got through the before the game. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know our opinions about this. It's, you know, whatever. Well, so so your captain ratings, how are the ratings for this? I didn't even check it yet today. My yeah. guess is that a lot of people watched because they're starved for football and haven't seen it. If you want to talk. I'll, Do you I'll think that many people are are that interested in the first Thursday night football game of the season? Yes. As as would have been if we weren't in the current circumstance. I bet a lot of people didn't even realize there was a game on last night. I mean, oh. you had to be a pretty hardcore NFL fan. The casual fan probably did not know there was a game on. So 19.3 million viewers. That's 12.3% down from the opening game last See? year. Which was Green Bay against Chicago. So you're right. And, and why, why would you schedule your opening game with your Super Bowl champ? For a Thursday night. Well, they always just, do the Thursday night kickoff. That's just what the NFL does. It, it just season. doesn't make they sense to me. Drop on digital too. Their total audience delivery had an 11% drop, uh, even with their digital numbers up 55% over 2019. So digital couldn't help them cut that gap. Do you think it's just that people aren't really thinking about it yet? Or where are they? I don't think people care as much. I think that there's so much else going on. I think that we're happy that sports is back. People like you and me who love sports are excited that sports is back. But I think the average person is just sitting there going, there's so much else going on. And there's so many sports that are going on at one time that they're basically cannibalizing each other. I mean, you have baseball, basketball, hockey, football, U.S. Open tennis, Soccer, the championship golf. soccer the championship for golf you had you, the the first weekend of college football which did anybody watch that oh i did <laughs> because i watched that kind of stuff so what, blah, what blah. college football game did you watch that piqued your interest oh it was like texas i don't even know jeff you know it's been a long week for you me. don't even know which game it was that's yeah, how excited it's you were a long week for me i know the hospital yes. i don't remember anything right okay. now but i did watch the game um mm -hmm. i watched a, a bunch of games just because it's football and it's on matt behind the glass by the way on top of the stats colts at jaguars will be at 25 percent capacity so about seventeen thousand fans there this week that'll probably be the only that is capacity for the jaguars <laughs> that's as close as you're getting to sold out for jacksonville you're just killing them aren't you <laughs> uh you excited you should, do you think okay so do you think that jacksonville should have a football team i don't think that they're a fan base that has supported it right i mean it's, it's just it's gonna... just not a place that's ever supported football it's, it, and and they've had decent teams and it's i went like to jacksonville's always been there. bad the... right not the actual game just to go into the city for right. 
there's not much to do. <laughs> it's not Philadelphia. No, there was not much going on. Uh, some Eagles news this week. Uh, one person has a new deal. One person does not have a new deal and is not happy about it. Jason Peters reworked the deal. He'll be the left tackle starting the season uh, this Sunday. Uh, Lane Peters, uh, Lane Johnson uh, took a $5 million restructuring of his to get a bonus to make room. So Jason, so Jason Peters could get the $5 million? Yes. That uh, was very nice of Lane Johnson. Hey, man, that's some teammate. I hope he takes yeah, me for a good I know. Game. Jeff, are you going to give me $5 million? Are you that kind of teammate for me? <laughs> yeah, Jeff? sure. So you could play the other side of the line? Sure. I would just take $5. It'd be cool. Are you surprised that the Eagles did that? No. I'm not. Really? You're not? No. I don't know why, why I am not. What, would, what do you every- hold, on, hold on, hold on. What do you think would have happened if if the Eagles said, no, Jason, we're not doing it? I think, he'd you think played- that Jason would have not played. No, I think he'd have played there and sulked. And I think that they wanted to avoid that. I think you they really wanted- you really think he would have sulked. You would think he would have gotten to games and not protected Carson. Wentz. I didn't say he wouldn't have protected. I said okay. I would have sulked. And I don't think they want that on the team right now. They've already got enough bad stories coming out about turmoil in the front office. I think they're just trying to, you know, kind of make him happy. I, it's funny because it goes against everything that this franchise does in terms of renegotiating mm-hmm. up after it, and yet I still wasn't surprised by it at all. I, I don't have a good explanation for why either. Like you could say, why aren't you surprised? I have no idea. I just when he came, when it came up, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'll but see, you the other story is is that Zach Ertz isn't getting paid. Well, and, and- so if you have the money. And you've already entered into a contract for Jason Peters, who is not a long-term answer. He's coming back for this one season. He's not going to be here next year. We didn't think he was going to be here this year. But Zach Ertz in his they didn't pod, want him here this year. They tried to do everything to replace him. It seems. exactly so. He's only here by necessity, and I don't think he's not a long-term answer. He's older. Zach Ertz is in his prime. Uh-huh. Zach Ertz deserves to get paid now. He's going to get tested this week for Ertz. Uh, it seems like negotiations came to a halt after the Eagles uh, reduced their guaranteed offer that they made in November. The backloaded offer had less cash over the next four seasons than Austin Hooper's Brown contract, Brown's contract. And when he was asked about it on Thursday, Ertz was pretty blunt. He said, I want to be here for the long run. I know for sure. I don't know for sure if the feeling's mutual. I don't think it is. I think that they drafted Dallas Goddard with replace the idea him. that they were going to replace him. And I think that, that everything that they've done since has shown that. You play him with fire, taking away your quarterback's favorite target? Yes. Yeah, yeah you absolutely are. I mean, especially yeah. since the wide receiving core isn't exactly proven. You have two really good tight ends. Why would you want to – if you're worried about Jason, uh, Jason Peters sulking, why aren't you worried about Zach Ertz sulking? See, I'm not worried about Zach Ertz sulking. Why? Because that's, Zach Ertz doesn't seem like that kind of player. And Jason Peters does? I, I just don't. I, for some reason, I think that Jason Peters would have handled it differently than Zach Ertz will. But Zach Ertz did make a point in his statements yesterday to say, What's that? I was out there with a lacerated kidney, sort of saying, like, the least you can do is pay me for going out there and risking my life for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I don't, no, and I no don't, you, you can't ever do that with football players because every every play they're risking their life. I don't have a good explanation for why I think the team is handling it differently and why I think the players would have handled it differently. It's just a feeling. There's nothing. It's not like I'm this sports expert saying this out of fact. I know how they are. I know them anything. Just a, a sense that I got from the way that they both handled it. What's you know? more important? Who's more important to you? The Philly signing JT Real Muto or the Eagles signing Zach Ertz? 
with Philly signing JT Real Muto. Ooh, boy, you didn't even that for you. That was pretty quick. Because of no fence sitting. Because of what they gave up for it. Do you really want me to go into what Sixto <laughs> Sanchez's numbers are in his starts? You know, I you just needled you like the cactuses that are the cacti that are still in my hand. I've got numbers here on six. Go for it. I want Zach Ertz to be here. That's clear. But if you're asking me about it, the Eagles drafted Zach Ertz. He's their guy. Mm -hmm. So they brought him through the system. I have concerns about him not being with Wheeler, with uh, with Wentz. The Mm -hmm. Phillies gave up their top asset, who, by the way, through four starts, has 25 innings pitched, has allowed 21 hits, five earned runs, 25 strikeouts, just two walks, 1.8 ERA, 0.92 whip. That would be the best pitcher on the staff by far, Jeff. Jake Arrieto can't give you into five innings sometimes. Vince Velasquez, we don't know if he's in the bullpen or where he's going. Well, it's a guarantee he's not getting five innings. And yet, Sixto is dominating in Florida, while JT Real Muto continues to produce, and we don't have him signed to a contract. So, yes, in my opinion i think the bigger loss is real muto because of what you gave up it's a subtraction twice not just once well what if what if zach Ertz leaves for nothing and i know it surprises you that i actually took a stand on something like <laughs> it that. really does i don't know i think there's surprise. a whole bunch of people that pulled over to the side of the road right now so which surprises you more that i chose real muto over Ertz, or that i actually took a stand <laughs> it was the, it was taking the stand and doing it quickly like there, there wasn't even like the like like the springer pause yeah i could which is a thing by the way yeah the springer pause is definitely um (laughs) i I think but i think that um they're playing with fire here and and i don't know that it's necessary look i don't know the eagles books clearly they're looking at numbers that i'm not uh but i I would think that you would want to try and have zach Ertz as a part of your future potentially well but you also describe why they want him why would you not want why would you want to piss off your quarterback what's the point that makes sense. To me. I mean, it's not like like Carson Wentz wants some guy who's a mediocre talent. Zach Ertz is one of the top tight ends in the NFL. Yeah, Pro Bowler. He, he, he is. He is. He is the, he is the, the security line. blanket for your star quarterback. Yes, and we just are going to play games about that. So, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Uh, let's go to this week's uh, preview before we get a uh, coach from the University of Pennsylvania, Steve Donahue, on here in a minute. Uh, Eagles O line versus Washington D line. Jeff, I am concerned. You know that I worry and I should get a dog, but uh, Washington has four or five first round picks. The Eagles have had injuries and reshuffling. Mm-hmm. How concerned should I be that rookie Chase Young will get his first start against 38 year old with a new contract, Jason Peters? I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, look, I, Chase Young's going to come into this league and he's going to do really well. I, I think that Jason Peters should be able to handle him. I think that, that the wily veteran uh, who still has some skills is going to be able to teach him a couple of things. All right. That we'll, wouldn't be my biggest concern. We'll leave the, the football talk there. You want to go talk a little basketball, Jeff? Go for it. All right. It, we are thrilled to join <clears throat> to welcome University of Pennsylvania men's basketball coach Steve Donahue to the show. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? Jeff, I'm doing good. But I'm worried hey. about Chase Young. I'll be honest with you. Okay. You're worried about Chase Young, too. See, Jeff is not concerned. Yeah. I so you're a local guy, so you've grown up in the area, Eagles fans, everything. So you can give us your take on what you think is going to happen. I just worry that you know, Jason Peters is uh, has been uh, just hasn't played much, and now you're going against probably the most athletic, although young, defensive end in the league. So 
All right. Well, I, I got reinforcements from a, a men's basketball coach, Jeff. What are you bringing to the table? Well, I, I, I also think that we, they're going to go with the two tight end set a lot. And I think that one of yeah. those tight ends is also going to stay in and chip block him. That's I what, I, that's how I think they're going to handle it. Well, I could be wrong, but I'm hoping that's what they do. Coach, we'll have you back on to talk Eagles football anytime <laughs> you want. But we did want to make sure um, to, to have you on to talk about uh, really important things you guys do every year. Uh, coaches versus cancer. Going to be a little different this year, but can you talk about your involvement and why it's so important for you to be a part of this effort to raise money uh, to fight cancer? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. In particular, this year, Coaches versus Cancer um, does so much uh, here in the Philadelphia area and is started by Fran Dunphy and Phil Martelli 25 years ago, and we raised over $17 million. Um, and it's just our way of coaches knowing the impact that we can have outside of just the basketball court. And when I was an assistant at Penn, I saw what Dump did. And, uh, I couldn't wait to get back here and, and at least do my part and help grow this. And as you said, we have this event, uh, which would typically have a huge gala. We're going to have it virtual. It's going to be on NBC 10 on Thursday, September 24th uh, at 7 p.m. And we hope everybody watches. It's a nice special. And, and as I said, cancer doesn't stop right now during a pandemic. And we hope everyone else can find a way to help us uh, you know, beat this horrific disease. Coach, the Coaches versus Cancer isn't just about raising money. One of the things that that at least Philadelphians should be most proud of is that the coaches in this area, the college coaches in this area, give more than just money and their time for, for publicizing it. You all also donate your time a lot, including to places like Hope Lodge. Can you talk about Hope Lodge and, and the things that you're doing to, to give back to the community? Yeah. For people who don't know, Hope Lodge is an incredible place. Um, it's a lodging, free lodging for people uh, out of town that are getting treatment at our great hospitals here in Philadelphia. Uh, but it's a, obviously the expense of staying overnight uh, with everything else that's going on. And these are weeks and weeks of treatment. Hope Lodge provides this. So uh, we do it with our team. We go out, and I know everybody in the city does this. But we go uh, once a semester, uh, provide meals for all the patients and their caretakers, and really spend time and sit down and listen to their stories and just amazed at the courage that comes across um, with each of their stories of how they arrived at this lodge and the battles they have with cancer. And honestly, I do it for a couple of reasons. One, it's, it's for our way of helping those going through this kind of uh, strenuous and incredible, difficult time. But it's also my 15 or 16 young men that are got to realize that, that they're probably going to face this at some point in their life. And you can learn from how to handle it from these incredibly courageous people that are dealing with it. That's a hope lodge. And it's an unbelievable night every time we go. And if you don't know about hope lodge and you like to volunteer, it's an incredible way to give because uh, it is impactful for people who really need it. Coach, you talked about the, the 16 young men that, that you have under your tutelage as a coach. What has it been like to have 
players, of student athletes during times, not just during your entire coaching career, but especially now, and set to set an example for them to teach them about giving back to the community in, in many different ways, including what we're dealing with social justice as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I think all of us, not, not just coaches, but everybody over the last six months with what we all dealt with in the incredible uh, issues that we have in this country with social injustice. Um, I, I don't know if I can say uh, I'm showing them the way, uh, but I'm allowing them to raise their voices and with a platform of whatever we can at Penn Basketball uh, and provide support for them as they uh, lead. Um, and a lot of our players have with um, protest and uh, social issues that go on any way they can. Um, as I said, I, I would never say I'm the one that's leading this. I'm helping provide leadership in all different ways, uh, but honestly, I've learned as much about um, what's going on and, and just the history of social injustice in our country, uh, and then in turn, trying to be as supportive as I can of their movements. Coach, can you talk about how, <clears throat> you know, these are deep conversations that are being being had right now, and you talk about what you learn. I imagine that it it has the opportunity to bring teams closer together when they when they really learn about each other and, and coaches closer to the players or you're getting to each other on a level they don't get to in practice or in, in tape review or anything like that. Can you speak to the bond that's being formed right now between your players because of the circumstances that are going on around them? Yeah, I think that's a, a great point. Um, I think all of us as coaches – and we like to think, and I and I believe this deeply. I didn't get into coaching to to win games uh, or anything of that uh, matter. Um, I think this brings great purpose to our profession and me as a coach that I can provide, and all of us can feel that we can have an impact outside basketball. Uh, that's what brings you closer. Uh, that you can really see it in their voices. Uh, in their actions that they're really hurting and we can provide some support as they go each and every day, in particular, our kids of color. Um, so that's, that's where the, the closeness comes because we all feel that we actually have some purpose here, that we can make a difference with our platform as them as being basketball players, me as being a division one basketball coach. And I think that's uh, what I felt that, although this is a terrible part to deal with in, in our country, um, I feel much closer to our group in particular because I, I haven't even seen them, but it's virtual and I feel closer because of everything that's going on in our country. So coach, you talked about that. You haven't, you haven't had a chance to see them. What was it like at the end of last season when they canceled the Ivy tournament? Uh, what, as a coach, what do you talk to your players about when something like that happens so quickly? Yeah, I think as coaches, we like to think um, that we have answers, you know, um, for things that happen, whether it's on the court, off the court, uh, missteps, disappointments, tragedies. You usually can come up with um, a plan. Um, there was really no plan. And we were told a half hour before we're practicing for the Ivy League tournament that, that they're, you know, for 
six of the kids in that room, their careers were over. Um, and I had no real idea why at that point. None of us knew what was about to happen. Um, and that, that was difficult. I think the, the thing I tried to stress to them is we don't know what this is looking like right now, but make sure that you, you, you just take it all in and be willing to uh, listen because we just don't know what's going to happen in a day, in a week, in a month. Uh, not that I knew what was going to happen, but I was really just trying to, to make sure that they didn't make some mistakes that they would look back on and regret after we find out, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and this is just the beginning. With everything that's going on, do you allow yourself to get excited for the season, though? I that's the motivation thing. I wake up every day and, and I tell our guys, it's a little ritual we like to uh, write down three things that we're grateful uh, for. And one is that I'm hopeful for a season. That for these kids, this is their, you know, for me, I've been coaching for 30 some years and I hope to coach a lot longer. For them, it's their four year window, everything they worked for in their whole life. Um, I want them to have hope uh, that they're going to have a season and compete and, and get to the NCAA tournament. You know, chase their dreams. That's definitely part of the motivation and the inspiration uh, each and every day they wake up right now. So with that hope you have for them, uh, how do you prepare for this potential season, given that you can't see them, given that you're on Zoom? Um, I, I imagine you said you've been doing this 30 years. This is probably a season like any you've ever prepared for. Uh, this is a season and a, a year that I don't think any of us on this planet ever could imagine. So uh, it's just a microcosm of, of coaching. And what I think we all have to do is we have to kind of move the horizons a little bit, uh, start trying to achieve small steps and be happy with that, whether, whether that's uh, a goal that you set in the classroom, a goal in your physical fitness uh, just small things that allow you to be happy that you achieve them. And that's kind of my focus for our group is that each and every day we got some small goals that we're going to achieve and we're going to get better. And um, we've been saying this, I probably stole this from somebody, but we want to win the weight. We want to be the team that comes out of this better because we took advantage of this, not as an obstacle, but as an opportunity to work on our, our mind, work on our mental toughness, do something that's going to provide us uh, with something that will make us better when the season starts eventually. When you win the weight, you get to go back and play your home games in one of the greatest venues in this country. What was it like for you the first time that you got to be the head coach at a home game at the Palestra? Well, you got to understand too, I, I, came to my first college basketball game in sixth grade in 1974 at the Palestra and fell in love with it. I think the thing that the Palestra does, it allows you as a fan, as a player, as a coach, to be intimately involved in the basketball that's going being played. It's not like any other arena. It's just, it's not like, oh, I can watch a game. You're involved with the game. You have an impact. So for me, as after being an assistant for 10 years, 
coaching as the opponent for 10 years at Cornell and eventually being the head coach at Penn, uh, it's really no way to put in words the feeling that I had. And I still get a rush. It's, there's a different nervousness, a different excitement. I think about the other guys that have been on that sideline and in our program, Fran Dunphy, Chuck Daly, uh, Bob Weinhauer, Roley Massimino, and all the great five coaches, Jack McKinney, Jimmy Lynam, um, everybody. Uh, it's just an overwhelming to think that, uh, that we're all part of this incredible legacy of the Palestra. But I think we all know who's ever been there that it's hard to explain uh, in words, but you understand it when you're part of that incredible basketball experience when you're there for a game. Well, Coach, you're you're part of an amazing uh, fraternity of coaches in this city, uh, and we thank you for everything that you've been doing with regard to coaches versus cancer. Before we let you go, one more time, where can people uh, go to learn more about Coaches for Cancer and what what the upcoming events are? Yeah, I think the the one website is the Philly uh, CV uh, Coaches versus Cancer dot org. That's Philly CVC dot org. Uh, get all the information and. Honestly, we do need um, more participation than we ever had during this time, during a pandemic, um, because cancer is not stopping. And we're not going to stop either. We're working harder, uh, but we love to have more participation. Julia has always stepped up for this, and this is not unlike any other time. We'd love to have everybody do their part, whatever that is, to help us beat this cancer. We we thank you and the rest of the coaches for fighting this fight, and uh, we hope you get to win the weight and get back on the court with your players and get to realize the success you all deserve. Thank you so much for the time, Coach, and best of luck. Well, I appreciate what you guys are doing, uh, and thanks for having me on. Have a great weekend. Jeff, we're we're lucky in this city with, with some of the coaches we have, and, and um, it, it's at every level, the involvement that they have, and Look, I don't go to other sports cities to know whether their teams are this involved at every level, but I haven't met somebody that we've talked to that doesn't recognize the importance of being more than just a team in this city. Well, look at it. I mean, you you said a stat at the beginning of this. They've raised more than $17 million. I think the coach said it, $17 million since 1996, the most of any city. Uh, It's just impressive to have coaches that – have been successful on the court, but are even more successful off the court. And, and it reminds you that college sports is more than sports and student athletes are more than athletes. And, and that's what's so great about this city's colleges and what the coaches and the athletes and the schools do as part of the community, as opposed to just being this silo campus that, that doesn't really have a community as part of it. Can you imagine him having to walk in that locker room and tell those six players that their career was done potentially? No, I, I really can't. I, he, he was telling that story and, you know, you asked the question and it's funny, we, we do these interviews and we, we think about the things we want to ask. And then you think about like what they're going to say, but then you hear him say it. And it's like, I can't imagine looking those six people in the eye who may never get a chance to chase that dream again, professionally, or, or even just, recreationally and it's like all of a sudden you're done well if you remember we talked to somebody from the athletic department at temple uh earlier this summer about how the fact that how things just stopped 
And it's the same thing. They had no notice. It just shut down like right before the Ivy League tournament for Penn. And so these players, a lot, you know, six of them seniors have been preparing for this moment. And Penn has been pretty good the last few seasons. And all of a sudden, just like that, it's over. It just stops. You know, they're preparing. They're in the locker room. They've probably already done their warm-ups. And they are ready to go. And all of a sudden, it's over in a blink. And it wasn't – they didn't know if there was going to be an NCAA tournament. And then, obviously, there wasn't an NCAA tournament. And for a lot of these kids, even though they're giving them an extra year, it's – you know, it's – for all practical purposes, they're not really getting the year a lot of them. Because yeah. there's other kids that are coming up. By the way, I'd like to remind you, um, he agreed with me. He's concerned about, about what? Isn't Chase Young? He's a basketball hey, coach. Taking you back there. Uh, we gotta circle back. Gotta make sure that we keep a good we, line. What we're we will have him back and he can do I told you can't do I told you so, but he can do you can bring him back to do <laughs> I, I told you so. But I, I think I mean back to the Eagles just for a minute. Hope I'm wrong. And I think you're right. They're going to keep tight ends and in chip. One of those tight ends is the guy without a contract coming up now. Has a contract, but doesn't have the extent. Well put him on the other side. I I mean, look, you can't you can't <laughs> If Chase Young gets to him in the in the first series, then they better have somebody there. If if they try at first, and I don't mind them trying at first to see if Jason Peters can can handle him, but if he shows that he can't handle him, well, then you got to worry about the fact that you just paid him five million additional dollars for a season when he's shown that he can't stop a rookie. And I granted, I know Chase Young is a really good rookie. He's still a rookie who had no preseason. Yeah, it's uh, all right. So let's go through some of the other matchups. Obviously, yeah. the D-line O-line from the Washington to the Eagles side is concerning. But mm-hmm. that Eagles D-line against Washington's O-line, especially their left side, uh, probably an opportunity there for, for them to, to get through and put some pressure. Uh, I don't know about Washington's offense. Uh, Over under how many sacks will the Eagles get on Haskins? Three. I'd go over. Okay. I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on them, and I don't think they do have that many weapons. I'm curious to who, see. Who exactly are the weapons on the Washington well, football? Terry McLaurin blew him up last season. That's not going to happen. You would assume Darius Slay's there, and the whole point mm-hmm. of him being here is a press lockdown corner, which is what Jim Schwartz likes that he hasn't had. Oh, can you imagine the sky, how it will be falling in Philadelphia if, if Darius Slay doesn't have a good first game? Why are you going to sky would be falling? Even going to bring that mojo around in this place right now? Excuse me, you just got on with the head coach of Penn and and started the the sky is falling because Chase Young, the Ohio State rookie, is going to somehow blow up the the offense. I didn't say it was falling. I said it was darkening. There's a difference. Uh, <laughs> I know you hate when I do that. The ominous clouds are are, uh, are coming. Eagles secondary. I refuse to give credit to an Ohio State player is basically what it comes down to. Okay. Well, that's okay. Same thing with Haskins. It's not just the Ohio State player, though, on defense. Mm-hmm. I'm not as concerned about the Redskins offense. They are going to take time to get together. Yeah, um, you need to try that again. Why? The Washington football team. Oh, I'm not allowed to say yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Do we need a swear jar when we say that? We should. That would be a good idea. Okay, we'll donate mm-hmm. it to Coaches versus Cancer every time. Done. Okay. We- do that mm-hmm. okay so we'll raise a little money for my uh slip of the tongue 
Um, and when we just do the podcast, uh, the, the swear jar, there's going to be a load of money in there. No, no that's time. not a legit swear jar. <laughs> oh, no, no. I think we should have a legit yeah, swear jar. I'm not quite as G-rated. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to do that, though, if it's going to go on 97. And, and, and there are then there are facial expressions when we do that. Yes. There are facial expressions, and you do react. It, I, it, I, it, I never get tired of doing the... Ooh, we do you this. Just said what? We do this show on the radio, and uh-huh. you, know, you have to watch your language be on the radio. Mm-hmm. We talked about this before—the dump button, everything. And but when we do just the podcast, and it's not going out anywhere else, yeah. All but I so have to do is check that it's not for kids on YouTube. And it's well, out- so but for for people who don't know the behind the scenes of the heart of sports, there was there was a moment in time where Jason was bragging to people in the studio about how the he, no, they never needed to use the dump button on him. Until and that show right That after. show, about five minutes in, they had to hit the dump button. And I turned so red and started <laughs> sweating the whole show, not knowing whether they actually dumped it. Was, it was awesome. Yeah, you it. It really was. And, and we were not doing video, but that would be one time that I would actually wanted to, to have seen my Yeah, that's a time where it, it would have been good if there was video. Because like you could have mm-hmm. seen sweat beads like forming on yes. as we mm-hmm. were doing it. Uh, Eagles wide receivers, tight ends, running backs against Washington's secondary. Looks like Jalen Rager is going to be healthy to play. That's a big thing that they will have the receiving core. Mm-hmm. Sean Jackson and Jalen Rager should be able to cause some deep Yeah, problems. but who's running the ball? Well, Miles Sanders is still listed questionable, as questionable, but right. uh, it, the coach did say that he and Lane Johnson looked good. Uh, I think that, that Miles Sanders ends up playing. If not, I think Boston Scott ends up carrying the load, actually. And it's funny. We had talked a little before we got on the air about fantasy drafts. Every fantasy draft I was in, people were taking Boston Scott. So people are either not sold. So on I Miles screwed up by or... taking Corey Clement. Is that what you're telling me? Potentially. Yeah. Okay. Well. Tell me about your successes in fantasy these days, Jeff. Uh, If you recall correctly, you wrote me back into it last year. And if if I do recall correctly, even at my ripe old age, I won that fantasy league. See, so you thank you for everything. You're welcome. Unlike my baseball one. Let me ask you that's a train wreck. Teammate, did you share the winnings? No, of course not. Thank you. You were my teammate. (laughs) You just peer pressured me into doing something that I didn't have time for. Your teammate on the hardest sports schedule. And what I what I learned is the less work you put into fantasy football, better the better you do. Yeah, the more you tweak yeah. you tweak your team, the more you screw it up. Just, mm-hmm. It's it's like an easy bake oven. Set it and forget it. Now people wow. who wow do they so hey, do they have easy bake ovens still? I don't know. I I'm watching like kitty channels all the time, and there's all these different commercials. What, were there easy bake ovens? Were, were you were you one of the kids who would actually eat the brownies that were made out of the Easy Bake Oven? I don't talk about eating brownies on the air, Jeff. <laughs> Let's go to the schedule for this. I'm talking about as a little kid, because if, if that against, stops you, then we have bigger problems. Dolphins against the Patriots. Uh, yeah. Patriots are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Not enough. You got any faith in Cam Newton there in, in New England? Yes. Why do Why does everybody think that when did Cam Newton become like this horrible quarterback? He got injured. But he yep. was never a horrible quarterback. I wonder what New England's defense is going to look like with all those players who aren't playing because of their COVID concerns. They and some, somehow goals. they will still be a top defense. They will be. Uh, Browns, I don't know how they do it. Browns against the Ravens, Baltimore minus eight. Is this the Browns year, Jeff? To do what? <laughs> to do what? Enjoy, what I possible enjoy. thing do you think they're going to do? They are the Cleveland Browns. Show up on the field. Jets against the uh, Bills. Uh, and 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 for people who want to have fun, because I don't think we actually can 
actually describe what, what I'm about to say, but if you want to have some fun, just look up Odell Beckham in the last couple of days. Oh, don't do that. Yes. It's the Bills, Buffalo minus six. It's the Browns. That's why. Buffalo minus six and a half. You, you buying the Bills? I am buying the Bills. I, I mean, their defense is really good. I think that Josh Allen is a – no, I, th- I don't think he's a legit star. I think he's a legit good quarterback who, with a great defense, in that stadium, in those inclement that inclement weather, is perfect for them. All right. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple other games. Anything jump out? Raiders play the Panthers. Seahawks at the Falcons. Obviously, the Eagles against Washington. Bears against the Lions, uh, Colts, Jaguars, and Packers, Vikings round up your early matchups on Sunday. You're going to be watching. Yeah, the, the big game though is the 425 game. The game everybody's going to want to see is Tampa Bay versus New Orleans, right? What is the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, like? I still can't believe they are not going to have a creamsicle jersey. You have got to bring that back, don't you think? I love those jerseys. Uh, and and when they wore those jerseys originally. My favorite sports quote of all time was when they went, I think it was the year they went 0-14 or 0-16, and and their coach, I think his last name was McKay, was asked in a press conference after a game what he thought of the team's execution, and I believe he said, I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cowboys play on Sunday night against the Rams. What do you expect? about them, Cowboys? Well, I want to talk about the Cowboys for a second. I'm not one to defend the Dallas Cowboys, okay? I'm just going to preface that any right. of them Dak Prescott went public this week with his mental health struggles after the his brother's suicide mm-hmm. um, I respect him for that yeah a, a talking head who decided he wanted to make some headlines and uh try to get some clicks decided to say that he has no sympathy because he's supposed to be a team leader mm-hmm. let me explain something real fast okay that's part of the problem not the solution and it's dangerous you don't perpetuate the idea that you're not a leader because you feel emotions or have mental health struggles. Get over yourself and get rid of the stigma. He's got it backwards. The thing that shows vulnerability is not addressing the problems that you have. This is ridiculous, Jeff. It's about time we let athletes be people just like everybody else and let them have the same struggles that everybody else does every day or the same successes. To put them up on a pedestal and say, if you have this situation, you therefore cannot do this is ridiculous. He didn't miss anything with the team. He didn't do anything wrong. All he did was mention that he had struggles. And all of a sudden that becomes subject for fodder for somebody who wants to get some eyeballs on their TV show. Okay. Amen, brother. And so what I'm also going to say is I would change what you said just a tiny bit. Showing vulnerability is strength. It is. Weak people hide their vulnerabilities. Strong people show them and overcome them. And it is clear. And again, I'm not a Dak Prescott fan either. But when it comes to this, he did the right thing. It's going to help a tremendous amount of people by him coming forward. And it does make him a leader, not just on the football field, but in his community and in life. And the person who said it, and and we've made, right. And we leadership of his own life, right. Not letting himself be subject to these constraints that are put on him by people who decide that it's their place to make decisions for somebody else because they happen to be in a public spotlight. Well, look. The, we're, we're purposely not saying the guy's name who said it because because as far as I'm concerned, it, he's just Captain Clickbait. He said it to get this rise. And, and 
And the good thing that comes out of somebody saying something stupid is people being able to talk about it and explain why it's stupid. Uh, This is ridiculous that he said it. It's ridiculous that he's continuing to perpetrate it and not perpetuate it, not go back on it because it's just, it's almost inhumane to sit there and, and handle this the way that this guy has decided to handle it. But for Dak Prescott, I give him all the credit in the world for the way that he has handled this situation. Cause I don't know if I would have handled it the same. If I were Dak Prescott, I would probably go into Jerry Jones and say, look, I need a break. And I would go in with my whole team and said, look, we're not doing his show. We're not giving him interviews. We're not going to do anything with his station. If this is the way he wants to be, that's fine. Let him take his vulnerabilities and he can go home. Yeah, it's just, you know, my feelings on this. Mm-hmm. I think we need more athletes out there. You we need know, more athletes out says, there. It's Charles not just Barclay athletes. Says, yeah, I know, but people look up to athletes. Charles Barkley always said athletes aren't role models. The fact is they are, whether they should be or not. And the more of them who can be honest about the challenges that they face to show that they are not invincible just because they put on pads or a jersey or have a TV or are interviewed, the better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Except the fact that everybody goes through challenges, maybe have a little sympathy and a little empathy and help them through it, as opposed to critiquing them and saying that they're a failure as a leader because of it. Okay. Can we talk about a dumb athlete now? Sure. You want to go to tennis? We don't often talk. We, this could be this will be two weeks in a row we talk about tennis then. Were you okay? I wasn't watching the tennis <laughs> match, but I I do get a lot of alerts. But the so. line judge might not have been either. But go ahead. Novak Djokovic, uh, middle of a match, decides intentionally or unintentionally he is not satisfied with what is going on and hits a ball out of play, hits a line judge in the neck. In the throat. In the throat. The line yeah. judge goes down, tries to make it out like it's no big deal. Anybody mm-hmm. who knows the rules of tennis knew that he was disqualified the second that it happened. Appar- apparently, before, earlier in that match, I was not watching the match, but apparently earlier in the match, somebody said, look, he could hurt somebody <laughs> if he does this because he has a tendency to do this. If This isn't the first time he did it. And for people, I actually heard people say, complaining Oh, that the, the the line judge was was a drama queen or a drama king. And I'm like, seriously, do you want if he flicks his wrist with a tennis ball, it goes, what, 80 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour? You ever get hit with a tennis ball going 100 miles an hour in the throat? Ball, like it hurts like like just the little thing the other day. And I wasn't ready for it. And I was like, yeah, oh. <laughs> but but Novak Djokovic has had had quite a season. Uh, he started off playing really well this year before before the virus. And then the then the virus came and nothing he has said or done has led to him saying I want to repeat 2020. This is this is a guy who tried to start his own separate union when there already is a union involving tennis players, but he was going to have it supposedly without women. I'm not quite sure why he thought that was a good idea, uh, but he decided to do that. That hasn't exactly taken off. Then he decided to, to say that if there's a vaccine for COVID, he's not taking it. Then his uh, significant others decided to tweet that it all came from 5G. Then he decided to complain that he didn't want to go to the U.S. Open because they weren't going to be able to protect him from the virus. And so he decided earlier on to have his own tournament where they caught him out partying and he got COVID. COVID. Yes. 
And then he decides to cap it all off by getting kicked out of the U.S. Open because he drilled a lineman in the throat. Not the best year. No. We're all having really crappy 2020s, but for for an athlete, he's having a really bad one. You're not talking about somebody who's not ranked, somebody who doesn't know the rules. Best player in the world. You're talking about one of the top tennis players in Mm -hmm. the world, Grand Slam winner, chasing another title. Do you think they did the right thing? Yes. You have to look at that. No offense. There was there was no spring or pause. You either have rules or you don't there. There was no even if it was an accident, it's clear that they can't. Oh, I think it was an accident. I I don't think he intended to hit the line judge. Accident, but he has a history of of doing this. This is Mm -hmm. not not hitting people, right? But hitting the ball and showing his frustration on the court. And Mm -hmm. it has been an issue that's been talked about before. So even if it hadn't been before, it was just a separate incident. It's still something that is a violation that's open to disqualification. It didn't surprise me at all that they they did it. And the most surprising thing was that they did it with a star because that's the those are the times where you see the rules bent. But remember, Serena's had her issues before with mm-hmm. umpires. There, um, stars do not seem to get uh, away star from treatment. the yeah. the treatment of everybody else there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's a good thing. I mean, that's the kind of lesson you want to set. And, and hopefully, if the next player who decides that he's going to do that will think twice and say, well, if the number one player in the world can get kicked out of one of the majors, I better not do it either. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> something to watch to, to see what, what else comes up next with that. Did you, uh, did you catch the Union soccer game the other night? I did. Look good. They beat the Red Bulls 3 nothing. Aronson with a sick, sick Casper Casper finally gets on the board. We better enjoy Aronson for the next couple weeks while he's here because he's not going to be. Couple here. weeks? When's the season over? It doesn't seem like he's going to be here through the season. I think he ends up in Europe before the end of the you season. You think that if the Union have yes. a chance to contend, that he's going to leave in the middle of the season? All this, I don't know that it'll be his oh. option. The team will make the decision on that. Right now, they've got a lot of injuries and they're very thin and. Mm. and coach was talking about that they have a game against the revolution on saturday night and they've they've got some some shortcomings they had 14 field players out there the other day practicing uh i do think that that people will want aronson now and Mm -hmm. if you're the union is there ever a higher time to sell at least if you're going to sell come on but if you if you have a chance a legitimate chance to win a championship look i love seeing him on the field i don't want to see him go but everything that i read is that Mm -hmm. that's where this is headed and not at the end of the season type thing so i i don't know um boy you are just full of bad news well i don't really know you you started with the sky is falling with with regard to jason peters and, and now you now you go to the union as good as they're playing this is i'm gonna go back to the phillies a little bit um oh let's go to the bullpen well they're getting underway now uh yeah. they're in the middle of a streak that started yesterday of 18 games in 13 days hopefully they won't need the bullpen that's though. not quite right. optimal jeff they're playing mm-hmm. seven games they were playing a seven they're game playing seven game, game series <laughs> uh, which sixto will pitch in one of those games at least jeff so here i got a question for you okay so if you if you're pretend you're matt clentak I if, I to, if I if I if I told you, uh, here's here the the star that you're going to go out and get at the deadline, the trade deadline, when you're when you have a chance to actually make the playoffs. Here's what he's going to do in his first ten games. He's going to go one and two. 
with a 4.35 ERA. He's going to pitch 10.1 innings. He's going to give 16 hits, eight walks, and he's going to have a 2.32 whip. Is that Workman? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh-huh. So the Phillies bullpen through the date that they acquired Hale, Workman, and Hembry was 7.59. Yeah. Including blowing the game last night, they're still at 6.59. And what about Phelps? You haven't left, you've left him out. Well, they acquired Phelps after that. Right. So Phelps is a part of that lowering the 6.59, but even Phelps came into the Phillies bullpen and did what the Phillies bullpen does. Um, there is some interesting. You know what I would do is I would make sure so the situation doesn't get work. I would give them uh, pants that the flies have buttons or Velcro because <laughs> we don't want to have any more incidents because we can't afford to lose any, <laughs> any more pitchers. I see, I see where you're <laughs> taking this show. Some, some stats that were concerning, though, about yeah. – the, the makeup of this bullpen and, and you think about bullpens in general in baseball, there's, there's the finesse guys. There's the guy that comes in for an out that can overpower you. The Phillies don't really have that. Their bullpen as a whole averages a fastball velocity of 92.7 miles an hour. That ranks 24th out of 30 major league teams. It would go up if Velasquez would go to the bullpen. Finally. Their relievers have thrown the third fewest fastballs greater than 94 miles an hour, and batters are hitting 609 against those fastballs. That's the highest average in Major League Baseball of any team. Ever? The the Phillies have been ahead in like nine or ten games. They've had a two-runner more lead. So it's not like the team hasn't been playing well, even with the challenges at starting pitching. It's you're leaking oil every night when these guys come in praying that they don't blow it with their first pitch. Cause normally it happens on the first pitch. Yeah, Jeff. It's, you it, don't even it, have to wait. You get you an alert. There's a pitching change. You should turn on the channel. It's like Ryan Howard when he used to come up, when they make a change, you yeah. know, somebody's going to Homer. Yeah. See, it, we're, we're at a point now where the second they make that, they tap an arm to go to the bullpen. It's time to find something else. I almost wish it was turn like turn it off, read a book, turn the channel, watch whatever it is you want to watch. It, it, you, if you want to not have a bad night, turn it off. Just turn it off. And yet, still, mm-hmm. they're twenty-one and nineteen, and sit three games back from the Braves, who lost another starter this week. Mm-hmm. But did do they have any the of twenty-nine to nine? Do the Braves have any of their starting five from before the season? I think one person. Who? Uh, I forget which one, but I think they have one. You guy. lost Soroka, right? You lost Hamels. You lost Felix Hernandez. And now you've lost who? Max Fried? Yeah. Don't you have a five-man rotation? Yeah. Who, who's the other guy? I don't I, even know who it is. You've left, though. That's one. I think it was Kyle Wright, and he's, they've sent him to the minors. So I, I don't think any of their starting five is currently in there. And uh, yet they're in first place. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Uh Reese Hoskins playing better without the stash and the haircut, Jeff. Much better. The, uh, the offense is not a problem. No. Bryce Harper. It's just nothing they can do with, once they get out in the field. It's not their fault that the pit, that the relief pitchers can't keep the ball in the park. I will say this. What? Defense oh. at times is suspect. Yeah. Well, um, you've seen that's, some error. When, when you have offense, you trade defense. It's, have, it's a reality. We have seen some errors that let down the pitchers when they've made good pitches. If we're being yeah, fair, but that's the bullpen. But I'm just saying, okay, uh, we got five minutes left. We didn't even mm-hmm. talk any basketball. Um, I'm seeing rumors about Chris Paul to the Sixers, Jeff. Billy, As a coach or a player? As a player, I don't believe it. <laughs> How about as a player coach? Billy Donovan gets... Wait, wait, do you like that idea? 
I don't think he wants to be a player coach. No, he, let's let's say he, let's say let's say Chris Paul is no. is at the end of his career. No. Do you want him as your player coach? Why not? Because I want he's a coach. got as much coaching experience as Steve Nash. I want because we've seen having a coach that hasn't been a head coach before that doesn't have the cachet, especially in this organization. I want somebody with a record. Who? who You're talking about coach. Brett Brown? He he was an assistant. He wasn't a player. I'm talking – I'm actually being serious. About, I'm not saying that this is something that has even been floated I out there. I'm Chris just saying Paul, that if Chris Paul decided – if he decided – I mean, this is a leader in the NBA. Yes. Okay? If he wants to be a head coach, yes. he will have the opportunity. I don't know that this Sixers team is the right place for him to start. Okay. Then who do you want? I don't know who the right answer is because Ty Lue wasn't in charge, but I think Ty Lue is who the franchise wants – because he's worked with a powerful owner and powerful players and made it work. Right. What I, do you mean he wasn't in charge? He was he was the head coach when they won a championship. James ran that team. Let's be honest. Come on, Jeff. Wait. And okay. that's what will happen here. The with- star player runs every team. It's whether or not the coach can mesh the personalities. And right now we have personalities that don't mesh. I don't know how they're going to make those mesh. Uh, well, but, you- that, but isn't that something that Ty Lue can do? I don't that been something that he's shown that he can do. I don't know if anybody can do it, frankly. I think so. So then are we going to have Joel and Ben on alternate days? Can they coach the team? You have to change the coach first to Mm -hmm. see if it's the coach or the players. But I think in the end, I don't know if changing the coach means that the pieces will now fit. Okay. I just made your general manager. Who are you hiring? I don't know who I'm hiring. No, you got to pick. No, I've already made decisions throughout. Proverbial gun to the head. We got to make a decision. Would you consider Billy Donovan, who was just fired by Oklahoma? Is he a coach Mm -hmm. that you consider bringing in? He's had a couple good seasons. He was obviously a great college coach. He won a couple national championships with Florida. Um, I believe he came in third or fourth this year as coach of the year. So he did a pretty good job. But the question is, somebody actually asked me this question when I posed it was, is is he was he a good coach and did he do a good job this year or was it Chris Paul? Because everybody kind of thought Chris Paul was done, like he had nothing left in the tank and he showed everybody wrong. Yeah. So, you are you watching the playoffs still? You're you're a basketball guy, so you're still. Yeah, well, I I love the NBA. I, I mean, obviously, I'm I spend most of my time rooting against the Celtics and the Lakers. So anybody anybody besides them, Houston. Uh, almost- I'm actually I'm actually rooting for my I I do not like the Miami Heat. I like this team. And I like what Jimmy Butler's doing. And I and I and I have to tell you, Eric Spolstra, as good a coach as he Such is, will always be underrated. Yes. He yes. is one of the best coaches. He might be right now the best coach in the NBA. He definitely uh I mean the fact that they dispatched of Milwaukee so easily. Do you think Giannis's reputation took a hit? Yeah, but I don't think it was just that series. Giannis had a series of issues where he seemed frustrated. Like it, it seemed like you could get in his head. And that's one of the things that he has to learn not to show those emotions because that when people can tweak him like that, it doesn't help his team and it doesn't help his own game. Jeff, 30 seconds left. Raptors game seven tonight after double overtime. Who do you think wins it? Raptors or something? Oh, you think it'll be, you think it'll be a rim rattler bounce through what? Three, four five times and then go in. I don't believe I'm, it. I'm thinking the Raptors. I'm rooting for the Raptors. I don't want to see the Celtics. I don't want to see the Celtics either. Right. I'm rooting for the Raptors and Kyle Lowry. Any final thoughts before we kick off this weekend, Jeff? Uh, flyer season's over.
Uh, we'll get to that next yeah. week. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.